0: A Golden God.
1: An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin.
2: To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> God. I don't know who's weirder, you or me.
1: You just put the law on my hands. I'm going to break your heart. and welcome back to Movies for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Michelle Agin.
0: And I'm your other co-host, Brian Kuiper.
1: And we are back this episode with another one of our friends' forever favorite movies. And our special guest today is pretty much one of my favorite film fans on the internet. Um, If you've seen his collection, you have been very, very, very jealous of the amount of movies that he has, and he just has a wealth of knowledge and interest when it comes to film welcome to the show vinny to hello
2: how
0: you guys doing
1: good to have you on
0: yeah awesome to have you on finally kind of meet you yeah (laughs) besides through texts on twitter you know (laughs) Um, so great to have you here so um what movie did you bring for us to talk about today
2: yeah i brought one of my favorites and has been for years it's robert altman's 1974 comedy california split
0: excellent So I'm pretty new to this movie, to be honest. I've been an Altman fan for a long time, but I hadn't seen this one until last year, I think, Mm -hmm. for the first time. And I hadn't even heard of it until, you know, maybe three or four years ago, or at least even looking through Altman's filmography. It just was one I didn't remember for some reason because I didn't know what it was or that kind of thing. But man, uh, sort of a love at first sight kind of movie for me. Good, good. Um, I'm just glad. really, really dig this one.
1: I think I first heard about it actually from the the shirt that I'm wearing right now. Uh, it's one of uh, Elric's favorite movies from uh, Pure Cinema, so I think that's why I ended up watching it. Like only like four years ago, I think. But yeah, I had the same reaction. I loved it. I thought this was great and awesome. I knew. Wow. I actually knew you were gonna pick. I totally thought. He's going to pick California Split for his favorite because yeah, your it's... name used to be Smelly at Gold on Twitter. Yep, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, yep, he's got to pick this one. And I was really excited that you yeah. did. I'm very happy to talk about this. And I want to hear yeah, it's... why you like it so much.
2: So I came to this movie through Elliot Gould. So when I was in high school, my best friend and I were really into movies and we were really into classic cinema, mostly pre-50s. And he was into a lot of film noir. And that brought him to... Elliot Gould's long goodbye. Mm. And he goes, oh, here's another, here's a newer Philip Marlowe story. And he showed me and I'm like, oh, this guy's, I know who Elliot Gould is, but I've never, I didn't know any of the 70s stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, this is fantastic. So I was like on a hunt for anything 70s Elliot Gould, because it just oozes cool and charisma. And I bought this DVD blind and I knew George Segal, who also stars in it. And it fits every interest of mine in terms of movies. I'm mean, one of my favorite like subgenres is like uh, like the destructive buddies
1: kind yeah. of subgenre, yeah, like yeah. Uh,
2: like Mean Streets or Pulp Greenwich Village, or you know, like that kind of like these two people are terrible f- for each other but great for each other at the same time, uh-huh. and and also gambling movies. So the fact that it's a combination of the two is just perfect and it's hilarious so and it's it just holds up completely and i I just love this movie so much
0: yeah it has sort of this great setup weirdly it reminded me a little bit of you know when scorsese comes on at the beginning of color of money and just sort of describes how you play Mm -hmm. eight ball poker you know not Mm -hmm. i mean eight ball um eight ball poker what am i saying (laughs) eight eight ball pool right you know Mm -hmm. so so you just have sort of this showing you this is how this particular brand of poker works, and um, and I don't know. There's something sort of sort of funny just about the way that all is set up, oh. because it's almost like the first time I saw that I was like, "Wait, are, are these two guys? Do they know each other already? Are they uh, sort of playing a a con here? Yeah, it almost sort? seems like a
2: con at first. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I just love that opening setup right from the top. It's just kind of gives you that. And this is kind of quintessential Altman, all the overlapping dialogue, all Mm -hmm. that ambient noise going on all at the same time, lots of stuff happening. You can't hear every word perfectly clear mm-hmm. but you hear what you need to hear and
1: you yep. can pick out little different little
2: things. bits yeah yeah and Thank I think mean, Dennis for so... subtitles
1: when it comes to Altman movies, I, gotta say. <laughs> 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 I need them sometimes
2: <laughs> I watch everything with subtitles so I get it yeah, uh, yeah. Me too.
0: so I just love how quickly we just sort of enter that world it's so great
2: yeah it's like hey this is the world of poker but mm-hmm. you're also you're getting these characters you're seeing how George Siegel's bill character, Mm-hmm. is sort of just like cool calm waiting his turn and Elliot Gould's character is just kind of getting a little antsy like uh trying to read the room and pick apart little things and kind of messing around and waiting for his turn as well so you're getting these great little bits of acting from both of them mm-hmm. while you know this video is playing saying this is what the poker is and this is, this is the rules of the room kind of thing so you know what's what you're getting into
0: yeah so um like, like we've kind of talked about before on some of these other episodes like this, if you want to just sort of lead us a little bit, you know, what yeah. are the things about this movie that you just most want to talk about, you know?
2: Yeah, so I, I, I mean, just from that, get like right from the get-go, when you see these guys, and I don't want to like spoil the movie or go scene by scene and ruin it, but, you know, they play this game, they both are successful in this game, and there's one particular gentleman that is kind of a sore loser... And sort of starts with them. They win. They're happy. They, they go to the bar and just drink. And then you, that's where you learn like they're both like these degenerate gamblers, but to, to different levels. Yeah. Gambling is an addiction that you can make a comedy out of it pretty easily. Whereas yeah. drug addiction or alcohol, it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot different. But gambling, you can just be like, oh, uh, there's a lot of gambling comedies that are good. There's this, there's looking to get out, let it ride, like things like that. Uh-huh. You can make a gambling comedy. So you see them, they, finish playing poker, then they go to the bar and they're just looking for more action. They're looking at sports. They're talking about sports They're they're betting on who can name all the seven dwarfs. Like they're, they're very like they're, they just want to gamble. So they're just getting drunk and gambling and then they leave and get beat up by the guy that they want all the money from playing poker. Then they just bond and like, okay, well, the George Segal character is like, I'm just going to kind of latch onto this guy because he's living this lifestyle of being a gambler and that's what I want. Yeah, and Billy yeah. like Gould's character is just like okay, let's. Here is a guy that I can I like spending time with, and he likes gambling too. So it just it just kicks off the friendship with that kind of camaraderie over being a degenerate, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, one of the yeah. things I love about this movie as a gambling movie is it's not just one kind of gambling. No, oh, yeah. they're just
2: looking for action. Yeah, they're just they're,
0: <laughs> they're looking for everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, even out you're of you're like um... out here.
1: Basketball game, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean but but like you said, I mean they're playing poker, but they're also going to the track, they're doing, you know, sort of the traditional gambling things, but then they're also betting on stupid things like mm-hmm. right. I bet you can't name all seven dwarfs, you know, Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
2: Dumbo Dumbo is not one then, of seven dwarfs. But like I and I don't I don't have a and I know Elric is the same way, and this is why I actually really enjoy listening to Elric when I found this out. But he looks at gambling the same way I do. It's it's I don't have an addictive personality, but I mm-hmm. love gambling. And my friends and I, we will bet on just random, stupid things like that just to pass the time, not in the stakes that they are in the movie. But I can totally relate to that kind of let's just gamble like That's that's fun for them. But the fact that George Siegel's characters looks at it as just being a full time gambler as a goal and like that looks appealing to him is, is one of those things that I really liked about the movie is that his his performance is very, like, subtle compared to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Elliot Gould kind of being all over the place. Yeah. But they but that balance is so funny to watch when when it flips. Like, when they are at the track, and it's one of the funniest scenes in the movie, after Elliot Gould kind of screws with the lady and makes her change her pick, mm-hmm. and she starts hurling oranges at him. Oranges. <laughs> like that, yeah. That <laughs> sequence, because George Siegel starts to, he flips and he becomes the Elliot Gould, like, yeah. Kind of manic character. It's one of the funniest things. It's, it's, that yeah. sequence is one of the funniest scenes in any movie, and that, that has always stuck with me. So it's one of the reasons why I love this movie so much. Is there are scenes in it that I've seen a hundred times, and they make me laugh. And I always just recommend them. Like, hey, watch the escalator scene from California Split. Uh huh. Or, or watch the end poker game from California Split. Like, there's these little little bits that are just fantastic and they just yeah. I love one want arm piccolo player. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, <laughs> it's those little moments that are just it's like broad comedy but it, because it's Altman it's grounded in that realism. Mm-hmm. And it's like these are these seem like real gamblers. These seem like real people.
0: And there is a lot of yeah. a like real life grounded feeling to it because I mean it's not a like most Altman movies. It's less about what happens and more about who these people are and sort of like these little mm-hmm. collisions they have, I guess, with other people that they encounter along the way. Altman I've always found sort of benefits from multiple viewings. I agree. Cause like we said, you know, at the beginning, you know, just the talking over each other and stuff is like, what, what's going on? That's something that's sort of uh, it's a feature of almost everything he ever did. So it just takes a while to get used to it. But once you're there and once you're kind of in the world with them and getting to know these characters, you can just really latch onto those things. And I've always loved that about Altman when I finally sort of figured him out. I think the first one that was for me was MASH, where the first time I saw it, I didn't like it because I was used to the television show, you know, Mm -hmm. and then my friend watched it with me and it was like, oh, okay. Okay. I, that makes I get that so much more now. So this is just sort of that quintessential Altman of the reality grounded, but not super in about the plot and story and really about behavior and characters
1: and the performances and the reactions always feel so real like one of my favorite moments is in the one-armed piccolo player scene george siegel's laughing in that feels completely real you know and just all these little moments with the characters that i find myself kind of latching on to and really like of course some of my favorite characters are susan and barbara i love them yeah but the way that susan waves goodbye to people <laughs> she kind of does this like weird like wave thing with her hand, and just like the little moments that the two of them have, uh, like comforting each other, or between Susan and Charlie when uh, he's comforting her at the beginning of the movie. I always like those little moments between the uh, characters in an the movie because they just feel so much more real than in any other movie to me.
2: Yeah, very very human interactions. Yes. Like, and one of the things I love about love, of Susan and Barbara character, um, the fact that Susan is a prostitute that her issue is that she falls in love with every John Yeah, is a really good little touch because it's like, Mm -hmm. here's a character. It's like, he could just make them, they're just prostitutes. But there's that little bit like, okay, there's a depth of character with just one line of dialogue. You know exactly what kind of like vulnerable person this is. And you can see that kind of relationship that she has with Barbara. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, these people need each other in unhealthy ways, but also like that's their kind of family is not the most conventional people is, you know, these two prostitutes that live together and then these two gamblers that are just feeding off each other's mm. addiction. Yeah. And, I, and that's one of the things that really uh, with gambling movies in general, I always love when there's two people like Carol Reese's The Gambler with J- James Conn is also one of my favorite movies. But that's more about the overwhelming addiction mm-hmm. and how like the, the mental health that goes into somebody that goes that far off the deep end, whereas movies like this. It's more about, hey, let's let's see how far these people are willing to go. You know, they they can have a day where they're losing thousands and thousands of dollars or winning thousands of dollars. And then they just go about their business like it's any other day because that's just who they are is these sort of like destructive personalities. And I think that the the performances are just fantastic.
1: Who do you see as more destructive, though? I always thought I thought it as Bill was kind of more destructive. Uh, Because you see see Charlie is the one who just kind of lives day to day. And he's just like looking yeah. for, you know, ga- like like we said before, like gambling on anything, any, any time, yeah. any, any little thing, even when they're at the boxing match, he's making little bets with people in the audience and not just on the match, but on other stuff. Whereas Bill seems like he could really, he doesn't thankfully at the end, but he seems like he could really do some damage to himself. If he went as deep feel into like,
2: it. I think that with Bill is he goes, Further, in the sense that, like, he has the bookie coming after him, mm-hmm. he's the one that's selling all of his possessions to go to Reno. He's going that extra mile into the addiction. Whereas Charlie is just that's his life, he's just yeah. he just gambles. He gets by, he goes, you know, he gets arrested once in a while. He, he makes a lot of money, loses a lot of money, but you know, he's he's content. He doesn't with really
1: have like a, an end that goal. being
2: his life, no. And I think that yeah. Bill maybe sees that he has that in him to fall off the deep end to become what he doesn't want to be. Like he has a job. He doesn't. He hates it, but he he has a job. He doesn't want to be the full time gambler, but he kind of flirts with it, with his relationship yeah. with charlie yeah
1: like he just finds something appealing in him for the moment and then realizes that it's probably not good for him in the end yeah
2: and i and, I, and I, one of the things that i love about it is these two have like a very a deep understanding of each other and like a respect like when he's playing the poker game at the end and he can cons- he's considering Elliot gould to be he being george Siegel, he's considering ellie gould to be bad bad luck mm-hmm. and he just walks right. up to him and stares at him <laughs> and he go, and then Elliot Gould. That's all that George Siegel does is he just stares at him. And Elliot Gould just goes off like, "Well, you want me to leave? Like, you don't have to leave? Like, okay, right, give me twenty dollars so I can play craps. Right, give me ten dollars, <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> like that." And then he leaves. So it's- <laughs> I gotta have something to do while you're playing <laughs> yeah, poker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's he just gives him this like stern, like fatherly look, and then you know, there's that understanding with each other, and that these kind of movies, the two destructive characters, and that's that's one of the things that I really love about it is that. It's that butting heads, but like best friends at the same time.
0: Yeah. So uh, what I think is one of the things I've, I guess, on this viewing that I realized was, okay, they sort of start the movie out with them together. They end the movie with with them together. But there's these long sections where it's just Bill and Mm -hmm. a long section where it's just Charlie. And I find that compelling is just from a structural standpoint to see what they are separate from each other too and i i think that's kind of a fascinating section of the movie
2: there's a section where uh charlie disappears right yeah and bill's kind of lost in that like he he's uh-huh. kind of like okay well where is he like i want to go do this i want to gamble and things like that and when he finally comes back he's not like, oh, hey, let's go do something. He's mad. Like, you were gambling without me, kind of thing. Like, he, mm-hmm. he gets mad. Like, I would have gone with you. We could have bet on the go to Dog track. He goes, we could have bet on them together, kind of thing. So yeah. they, he becomes very dependent on Charlie's chaotic, manic behavior.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that scene where Charlie comes back is just That's so the funny best scene. Too, <laughs> oh, it's so good. The parrot pinata and, and the sombrero and all. All of it is just like, oh, this is this is why we love Elliot
2: Gould, right? That's my, you know, favorite, I mean, it's that's my favorite line so great.
1: <laughs> in the whole movie. My hat is a very big clue. <laughs> that's line, my, line my reading fa- too.
2: My favorite line in the movie, I'm pretty sure, is improvised, and it's in this in the uh, escalator scene when he goes to throw her purse back at her. Yeah. And it gets caught on his hand and she's yeah. you, yes. you asshole, you can't, <laughs> you can't even throw. throw. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm pretty and, sure that was improvised, but it's it's brilliant. It kind of seems like it. This, seems like it. Really done. Well,
0: and that's one of the things I like about Altman too is he's he's willing to let accidents happen, mm-hmm. and those accidents are so often make it into the movie, mm-hmm. and and he encourages these actors, you know, just keep going.
1: I love those scenes. <laughs> the whole thing on yeah. the bus when yeah. you are like trying to get people to switch seats, like it has nothing to do <laughs> oh, with anything, so but it's like it's still like so kind of charming to watch
2: and i love that as soon as that woman starts talking to him he just immediately starts fucking with her Mm -hmm. right he just immediately like he's and it's it's it may be like intentional because she asked him to take his seat kind of thing but he immediately starts messing with her and Mm -hmm. then when when they're leaving and, and she's like looking for him it's just it's so funny to me it's just so brilliant with that panic in her face and how they're just like, okay, let's get out of here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This was the first movie where he actually did the eight track dialogue or the eight track okay. audio recording. Yeah. So, and that's why I feel like stylistic it's not the prettiest movie, but it's the seventies and it's a movie about gamblers. So it shouldn't be a very pretty movie, but right. the, the way that the eight track dialogue works, especially with when they're drunk or when they're at a venue it works so well because you're just thrown into that world. There's a scene where he's at the bar and there's the girl there complaining to mm-hmm. the bartender.
0: Uh-huh. And, yeah. and yeah. uh
2: that, that scene and he's just watching. And then there's the guy that comes up and he th- he's thinking about picking up the girl. And then she just keeps saying like these yeah, like yeah. red flag things, and he's like changing his mind <laughs> and going back. And then, like he's he's just sitting there watching them and like you can hear all the different conversations. there's like ten conversations going on at once, yeah. which is what it's like in a bar, especially yeah. Like I'm guessing it's sort of a dive bar, and it's you, it's not going to be- According to that woman, just, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not just going to be two people talking. It's, it's mm-hmm. this drunk lady, and he's there, and there's the bartender, and there's other patrons and things like that. And I, it really throws you into that world. And there's so much comedy gold that comes from these overlapping conversations and these little bits, yeah. especially uh, when they first get to Reno. And he's talking to him about he's kind of like giving creating a backstory for every player at the table, which is also yes. like just oh, brilliant. And he's means, like, descri- yeah. he's describing everyone. And the, the bartender behind him is just laughing at the yeah. things that he's saying. And, she, and then he finishes and she goes, you're pretty close. Like, he, I was just yeah. guessing who these people are. And things like, that. And it's just those little bits of dialogue are so funny to me. And I, I wonder how much of it was improvised and how much was from the script. Because the script it's so is, hard to tell. is written by an actor who was a gambler and he rewrote it with Robert Altman and they really did not get along doing it because Altman is very difficult and he, he knows I want things done my way sort of thing, but the actor was involved in the whole process. So I would, I would love for there to be a book about the full production of this movie just to see like that sort of behind the scenes of it all, especially with given the stars of in this, you know, in 1974, you have George Segal and Elliot Gould. Like that's huge. It's two very, very popular actors and at the top of their game. And then you have Robert Altman, who's very successful in this era. So it is one of those things to think about, like you don't hear a lot about these kind of movies in terms of like retrospective academia. Like you're going to, there's probably mm-hmm. 500 books made about Jaws. Right, 1000 you know, books made about Star Wars yeah. and 1000 books made about the Godfather. But like you have these, these little movies that are really good and have, you know, a lot of pedigree to them. I would love to be able to just see what that production was like, because the final product is so special to me that, you know, I just want to dive deeper and deeper.
1: Now that you say all that. Yeah, I am kind of fascinated to know yeah, what was actually on the page and what made it onto mm-hmm. the screen and who came up with what and yeah. wow. That'd be kind of interesting to learn. Yeah.
0: I wonder that with a lot of Altman movies though. Really? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Because so much of what seems to happen in the final product feels improvised Mm -hmm. depending on how much of it is, you know, is always fascinating to me because I know like on mash to bring that one in, you know, that was sort of the first big breakthrough for him. Right. Ring Lardner Jr. Ironically, you know, won the Academy award for the screenplay of it. But basically he said that they didn't use a single line of my dialogue
2: yeah you know <laughs> and, or, you can, whereas, and you can tell like it, yeah for me, it's like you can tell like okay this is just these actors riffing yeah and I, I feel like a lot of the stuff where it's just bill and charlie like just the two of them i feel mm-hmm. like a lot of that is maybe they were given like plot points yeah okay this is where the scene has to go have fun
1: right Especially in like the seven doors conversation, something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause Altman said, well, you know, the structure
0: was there, you know, (laughs) Uh, even if the dialogue was changed, you know, the structure was all created in the screenplay. So those are some things that I just find fascinating about just his way of making movies, you know, Mm -hmm. cause he rarely did things that ended up, you know, that really feel structured in a traditional movie kind of way. (laughs)
1: And there are certain choices like one I keep coming back to is um, when Charlie has disappeared and um, Bill just kind of drives up to the house and Barbara's cleaning out the car and Susan's putting up Christmas lights and they talk over each other in that scene, but they're saying different things. I don't know what that was about. If that was like a character thing or just like something really about their personality, because when Bill asks like what they're doing, they say at the same time. Susan says I'm putting up Christmas lights and Barbara says, you know, I'm cleaning up the car or when he asks, like where Charlie is like, like he's still asleep or something. And Barbara's like, no, he left early. <laughs> so I just, I right. wonder if like, if that's just like a character thing, like they don't really know what's going on or Susan doesn't really know what's going on or <laughs> there's just something to establish the kind of relationship that they have. Barbara kind of seems like, the mother to Susan mm. in a lot of scenes. That one kind of stood out to me for some reason.
2: And I really do enjoy a lot of their scenes. I think they're very very funny. I do think that was a deliberate choice to have them both have a conversation with him at the same time, without him like kind of he's kind of looks back and forth like which one <laughs> right. am I talking to kind of thing, right? And uh, it, it is it is it is very very um, well done. So for Elliot Gould, obviously is one of my favorite actors. Do you prefer this like kind of? crazy Elliot gould or do you like the the suave cool Ooh. kind because mm-hmm. for me for me i i enjoy him more like this and he's done a few movies where he's a character like this where he's kind of all over the place and i think that he's the best part of this movie like put give him an oscar nomination he's
1: sure hands
2: down <laughs> one of the best parts you know but um where, where do you guys stand on in terms of his it's Quirk.
1: Probably a cheat to say that I like any Elliot Gold. Well, because yeah. I only knew him for the longest time from like his stuff from like the last couple of decades, and it's only in the last few years that I've really caught up on the 70s stuff. And this is where I really love him. You know, this is where he was doing the best. This is probably one of my favorite performances of what I've seen. I haven't seen everything, obviously probably just like the big stuff, the long goodbye and the silent partner. Uh, But uh, one thing that I don't know, I always kind of go to, he has just really great, like not not exactly cameos, but like smaller roles that he's played when he's um, older. Like for some reason, I always go back to American history X. I love mm -hmm. his scenes in that so much. Like those dinner scenes are like some of the best scenes in that whole movie. And he really helps to elevate that movie even more. He helps elevate anything that he's in.
2: Mm. And he's, and he's playing that very straight and serious mm-hmm. and, you know, he's, he's getting these, you know, racial slurs thrown at him by a skinhead mm-hmm. and he's just playing it, you know, calm and everything like that. So I I do, I do enjoy that performance as well. Yeah.
1: But he's so much fun like this too. It's hard to pick. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I,
0: <laughs> I think the first movies that I really Think of, I guess, this role, and then again, bring <laughs> Trapper John and Mash. I yeah, mean, Trapper was one, <laughs> sure. and Trapper was just sort of like the first movie that I remember. Seventies Elliot Gould, you mm-hmm. know. I think uh, before that, I I might have known him as you know Monica's dad on Friends. Yeah. Um, right. it, <laughs> that, that was my yeah. first. You know, it, it was just <laughs> kind of where I was. I, I'm afraid, but I think I'm with you, Vinny. I really like that. Sort of manic energy mm-hmm. version of him, and you know Trapper is somewhere in between. He's sort of yeah. sometimes he's he's playing it super cool and, and back, and the and other times he and Donald Sutherland are just kind of going for it in that movie in some pretty <laughs> interesting ways. Mm-hmm. But you know, I got uh, over the past few years, you know, having seen more like uh, The Silent Partner, which I love, mm-hmm. and um, I saw it, The Long Goodbye for the first time before I saw this, so I've liked that kind of mode too but man Mm. he's just he's just great in this era i think i mean Mm. he's great in any era i think but this 70s elliot gould you know sort of the height of his fame and sort of powers as a star and i recently saw bob and carol and ted and alice Mm
2: -hmm. oh for the first time
0: and you know i like what he brings uh, Mm -hmm. just to anything he does i don't know how to (laughs) expound on that really another way i feel a bit of a novice when it comes to elliot gould to be honest Mm.
1: It's like, what is it about him that you love?
2: That I love? Yeah. Or that one should love?
1: Well, <laughs> give, it, give so, us both, Vinny. So
2: in in the context of California Split, it's just how much he owns the screen. Like this uh-huh. guy, he's he's not like going over the top. He's very grounded and real. But at the same time, he's all over the place. It's very, very funny, but he seems like a real human being. Like he's not being yeah. a character in the in sense like he's not being a clown. He's just being, this is this guy. Like this is how he is. This is the, how realistic that kind of person is. And for Elliot Gould in general, it's the same thing. It's like he's very real looking. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's he's, one of the things I, he's someone that, to. like, you know, he, he looks like this tall, thin Jewish guy. Like that's what he looks like because that's what he is. But at the same time, he can play these like really cool characters without having to look like, you know, a Sean Connery or a Cary Grant. Like, you know, he's he's not not a typical leading
1: man, but he kind of acts like he he is.
2: But he can can (laughs) own the screen. He he can all he has all the charisma and everything. And your eyes are immediately on him. You're you're going to remember his performance from the movie. He doesn't have to go all out, but he can if he wants to. And it's one of those things like he just he puts a smile on your face like this movie is. A lot of his '70s comedies too. It's just he's so memorable, and he's very, very funny. And it's just maybe it's a little expression that he makes, maybe it's the way he says something. I mean, like the piccolo, like that's brilliant, you know. Yeah. And then when he's guessing the the Seven Dwarfs, like that's very silly, but like it's it's funny. And there's there's a scene in in the movie where they sort of like have their moment of like a conflict, and it's when they're mugged, right. and the guy the guy pulls the gun and. He's, you know, he's like, come on, like two days in a row getting mugged kind yeah. of thing. And he has not it's it's really funny, but it's like scary. Like Bill's pushing the girls in the car, like kind of thing. And he's like, just giving the money, the money. And, he, and he's the guy's like yelling at him, like, I'll blow your face off kind of thing. And he goes, no, you're not going to blow anyone's face off. Like, just wait a minute. And he gives him half the money.
0: Yeah, I just, and he goes, You take half. Like, yeah, yeah. I, love
2: yeah I love it. <laughs> he goes. Go get out of it. Like, go, go, go. And it's it's that sort of like moment where you're like, it's it's he's has this realness to him. Like he's this guy is just sick of how his week is turning out. It's it's he one handles of those himself things that I love really in
1: well in that scene.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, I think my reaction would be very much more like uh, George Segal in there. which yeah. is just like freaking out. You know, just <laughs> give him the money, Just go. You know, I yeah. mean, which Even- uh, just the way he handles that moment. I, it's so sort of counterintuitive but yeah so funny and so well handled and and just chill <laughs> oddly chill for a character like his yeah I love it
1: even when they're being robbed he's gambling
0: right yeah <laughs>
1: yeah it's a gamble, gambling it's with their it. lives. <laughs>
2: so this the movie was shot by Paul Lohman. He did a few Altman movies and uh, a lot of low budget stuff. But I was reading that the reason why Altman wanted somebody young that he could like kind of mold like this is how we're going to do it. I I don't want somebody to try to make it look pretty. I want somebody to try to just make it. And so I guess the studio wanted Haskell Wexler to shoot it. And Altman mm-hmm. said, no, it's it's not going to it's it's not going to look like that. Like, I don't I don't want it to look like a Hollywood movie. I want it to look like a real almost like documentary style. These Southern California cities of Reno, like to show them what they really are. And that's one of the things that I love about 70 cinema in general is how ugly it is mm-hmm.
0: yeah, for the most do, part,
2: but... except for like they did period pieces where they're just, you know, beautiful. But a lot of it is how ugly these cities are. And these people seem real like these are it's it's not about this is the plot. Right. It's about, hey, let's watch this character. That's it. say that's, that's what this movie is. They could have made the whole thing about the poker game at the end, but that's mm-hmm. just a small part of it. It's mostly about how Charlie and Bill become friends, sort of like each other's like yin to the yang kind of thing. Like this is these two people. They meet randomly at a poker game and they become sort of best friends and then they part. And, and that's one of the things like it's. It's such a silly movie, but it's so well made and the drama is real enough that you can just let yourself go for, you know, an hour and 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, it even feels like by the end that there is something profound that's happened. Mm -hmm. You say silly and I'm just like, you know, I I just feel the enough (laughs) weight of this movie to really feel like it's, it doesn't feel slight, you know what I mean? It's funny and has some silliness to it, but it doesn't feel insignificant in any way. There are scenes that really... really
1: show like the weight of the kind of life that they've chosen to live too i thought Mm. again when charlie is gone and bill goes to that private poker game just the way that he goes in at night and he Mm. comes out at the end early in the morning I, i could never do something like that you know that's a very intense um addiction you know to get into when you're I don't know how to describe it, but just seeing that was like, that's that's getting deep into something when you're there all night. And what are you doing with, you know, work the next day and the rest of your life? Like, you're only focusing on this one thing and not on anything else in your life. That's dangerous. And he and that's- he
2: does, his work does suffer. He You know, he's hiding oh, yeah. from his boss, is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and, you know, he's hiding, he's, he's leaving work, he's finding reasons to leave work to go to the track and things like that. He sells mm-hmm. all of his work equipment. Sells his car, yeah. It sells, yeah, it sells his car, it sells his Typewriter sells the radio, everything, and it's that sort of like you know, this is a serious addiction, but then you're laughing like two seconds later, and that's what I love about this sort of like subgenre of these gambling movies. Have either of you seen the The Gambler, the James Conn film? It's in my queue. I haven't, I haven't
1: watched it. it yet though. Okay,
2: so it's extremely good. It's it's one of my favorite James Conn performances. That one is more about you know, this guy's getting in deeper and deeper with bookies kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you get a little hint of that with the bookie in this movie, which is actually played by the writer. Oh, OK. That's the, the guy that wrote the movie plays the bookie. So you get that little bit of the bookie, but then that's not what the movie's about. Then the bookie's gone. It's not brought up again sort of thing. Like it plays into these realistic time frames, too, where they're up all night drinking and gambling. And then the next day they go to jail for drunken and disorderly and then they sleep during the day and... Okay, let's mm-hmm. go to the track kind of thing. Like so it's yeah. it's like this realistic lifestyle, and Bill's sort of like thrown into it. You can tell that he has always had this little addiction. Like maybe he plays the lottery or, you know, we'll play poker on a Friday night sort of thing. Whereas Charlie is wake up, gamble all day, go to sleep, wake up, gamble. And that is sort of like appealing to him. So it's playing into how fragile. And how unhappy Bill is being this nine to five kind of guy. He he clearly doesn't like doing that. He just wants to gamble. But he has that moment of clarity at the end where, you know, OK, I've accomplished it. Whereas Charlie immediately says, OK, what do we got to do now? We got to keep going like that kind of thing. And it's and it's the two types of gamblers. Like I said, I, I don't have an addictive personality. I could never gamble again. I'd be fine. But gambling's fun. And, uh, you know, if, if you can control something like that, that's fine. And I I feel like Bill doesn't know which end of the spectrum he's on. And I think that's what that's yeah. what the movie is about. I think he sees that, OK, this can be destructive, but he has enough control where he can suppress it. And I think that's what the plot of the movie is, is not about Charlie's manic lifestyle. It's more of Bill doesn't have the same DNA as Charlie. Like He's not going to be able to handle it the same way. He's more likely to go like the James Con character in The Gambler, where it's very destructive. And, and that's one of the things that I love about the movie is the dichotomy of the gambling personality. I like, can
1: see that a lot when Bill is first over at Charlie's house after they've gotten out of jail and they have their breakfast. And you can just tell like that this is just a lifestyle that Bill is really you guys you guys do this like they have their dirty dishes from the night before still on the table and they're just kind of like sloppily throwing in the cereal and the milk and Barbara spills it and like puts her hand (laughs) on the bowl ew don't do that (laughs) and then they're all just like okay we're gonna go crash now Uh, you can go sleep on the couch and he's like it's almost like maybe he's seeing the appeal of just having this loose lifestyle but he's also seeing this is kind of not normal it's kind of not right to be sleeping during the day and doing this day after day after day he feels very much like the structure is what he's used to you know and this being with Charlie is like throwing him completely
2: off his structure and
1: yeah he has to decide you know which way he wants to go at the end
2: and and a lot of Films of this era sort of like touch on that where, you know, like women's liberation was happening. So there's a lot of films about women. Like I don't have to be a housewife. I can go out and get a job. I don't need a husband. I can go out and be free kind of thing. And then there was these movies about people wanting to get out of the button down nine to five kind of job and maybe go to like a more bohemian lifestyle. So I think that that is also like one of those little subplots of this movie where, and maybe at some point, you know, it would make sense. Maybe Bill had a wife and kids, like that would have made sense for his character is maybe he had a wife and kids and he was trying to get away from that. Like he maybe that lifestyle seemed appealing. Like he didn't want to be buttoned down kind of guy. Maybe he wanted to be this free spirit. And George Segal plays it amazingly, too.
1: Yeah, I always wonder like what his kind of background was. He seems like the kind of person who would have had that life at this point in his life, you know? Mm-hmm. But you don't get that kind of information. Then. No. I think that would probably be his story yeah. if they had actually delved into it, you know?
2: Yeah. The writer actually wrote a sequel that was supposed mm-hmm. to be sort of like My Dinner with Andre, but it was going to be Lunch with Bill and Charlie. It was the two of them, and they were just going to sit and talk, and they were like, kind of like reuniting. But then George Segal passed away in real life. So he uh, posted the script online. So you can read the script of, of where it was going to go. I haven't read it yet because I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, making that sequel 40 years later kind of thing but right but yeah. you know if if it was still a good I, george Siegel, I you know I would I would watch yeah. the out of that movie yeah oh my but god yeah I, it's I do want to read that and see where he saw these characters going wow i mean
1: so
0: that was would have been pretty recently then cuz uh, george yeah Siegel it was still it, i think it was within like the a, fa-
2: pa- last 5 years or something like that he wrote it wow oh man <laughs> yeah and, and, yeah that makes you wonder like if uh,
1: charlie learned anything from bill if yep. uh, so, I, it's, it's out there. If or wants if read they went the opposite, oh, I'm mm-hmm. very tempted to now. I,
2: I'm more of a fan of the movies over, the stories over. So, sort of. right. like, I'm not a big fan of sequels, yeah, sequels and uh, uh, and things yeah. like that. So, you, even movies that are good sequels, like, yeah, the curiosity is getting to me. Like, I, I'm like, oh, maybe I should just read it. But yeah, I like when the stories end. I just want to ask you guys this. So, this is one of my favorite movies comedy about gambling. Um, have you seen any other gambling movies that you would really like? or... Uh, Have you seen uh, How Ashby's Looking to Get Out with John Voight? Have you seen that one? Mm -mm. No.
1: I don't think I've seen many, honestly.
2: The ones
0: that come to mind, I've seen, I really liked a movie from, I can't remember what year it was, but I remember liking it at the time uh, called The Cooler. Yeah. It was good. uh, William H. Macy. Macy. I I just thought that was, it reminded me of things, you know, like every time Elliot Gould comes near him, he starts losing kind of thing. That whole idea. (laughs) So that was one that I thought of. The Hustler, mm-hmm. you know, I think is a terrific movie. I actually threw that on the other day for the first time in a long time.
1: I'm going to Google gambling movies for just a minute. <laughs> Those are ones that kind of
2: come to mind. I can't uh, think of anything uh, right now. That I, that I really... Have you seen Let It Ride with uh, Richard Dreyfuss? I, I've been really one Okay, to so it. I it's getting a Blu-ray yet. release. Yes, the, that's what I've heard. Very soon. Um, I've I have it pre-ordered. It is very, very funny. It is a very similar sort of personality to Charlie so it's it's that you know okay what's next let's just keep gambling kind of thing so that that's a very funny movie yeah. and and for california split it's i always Say it's you know my favorite. It's not my. I can't pick one movie as my favorite. No, nah, it's like impossible. If you, if you actually, it's very hard. I could narrow it down to like twenty, and that would be my favorite movie. It would probably be those like those twenty. I could probably do that. <laughs> but California Split for me is it's so funny, but it doesn't feel like a comedy while you're watching it, and then you realize, okay, I've been laughing for an hour and a half.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, the episodic nature of the movie just kind of makes it sort of fly by too, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're coming up on this sequence, and. You know, there's almost even a circular sensibility to it where you could just sort of drop in at some point in the movie and just watch it to the end and then just start Mm -hmm. it over. It's almost like, you know, the spinning wheel of fortune at the end of the movie. You could just drop in any point in there and just watch it from that point. Did you
2: guys watch this on Prime? Yeah, I did. Okay, Yeah, Yeah, which uh, that's the version that is the full version. The one that's on DVD is the edited version. So I don't know how long it's going to be on Prime. So if people want to watch it, they definitely should. I know that Indicator. It's been there over a year Yeah, Indicator has uh, flirted with releasing it on Blu-ray, and then they announced that they're not releasing it on Blu-ray. There's something to do with the rights for the music, and I don't know what song it is because there's not a lot of music in it there's yeah. so there's yeah <laughs> it's all it's all like just stuff yeah, that is yeah. it's just
0: there, it's stuff that people are singing yeah, you know right, and yeah. sort of like these little bits of tune there's, and stuff there's yeah. like a lot like people i don't know sweet georgia screen. brown is a problem <sighs> know you know case. i can't imagine that sweet georgia brown is the people. one yeah yeah <laughs> you know because i mean you know again another form of gambling you know that little basketball pickup game they're doing out there God, right? i love you know, that. Elliot gould's in you know i mean it's
2: great that little hustle what other song
0: are you getting yeah
2: so good
0: i love the lady in the casino who's the music that she does in the casino is mm-hmm. she's singing all these different songs but she's singing them all pretty much exactly mm-hmm. the same yeah. way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just found that so funny this time through. I don't I don't know what my reaction was to it the first time around, but this time I was like, that is just hilarious to me. Yeah, so this is for whatever this is reason. actually the
2: first time that I've ever tried to do a dive into like behind the scenes or trivia about it. And at the end it says for Barbara and I always he thought was, that was a yeah. joke because,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's there's, what I there's like five
2: Barbara's in the movie, and he even says it. He goes, Everyone's named Barbara. Like, when he's on the phone. Like, yeah. So I always thought that was a joke, but actually, it's the actress that plays the bartender at the poker yep. game. She passed away mm-hmm. on uh-huh. set. And
1: I was wondering that exact same thing we were talking but about. But I, so I always thought it was a joke. I always thought that,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. I always thought it was like, Oh, for Barbara, because they say, they make a joke about it that there's so many different yeah. people named Barbara but I guess that's not a joke and I guess the actress did it was John Williams wife actually Yeah. so she yeah. passed away on set and I'm, I'm like oh man but then I think about it I'm like that would be a really good joke to put for Barbara at the end of it when <laughs> that's, that's one of the jokes in the right. movie is that you know <laughs> yeah
1: and a lot of the actresses playing other characters were named
2: Barbara <laughs> yeah. yeah I still like that part
1: so she's a great example of just like all the other little background extras that I, mm-hmm. I really like in this movie the lady at the beginning poker game who's just always worried about the time and like she doesn't like this table and she wants to leave this table. I like her. Um, The lady on the bus. I'll never forget the name of that horse now for as long as I live because I say it so many freaking times. Egyptian femme, Egyptian femme.
2: (laughs) And I do like the lady at the beginning poker game. They keep swearing Mm -hmm. and she gets very upset. She goes, you don't have to use that kind of language kind of thing. And (laughs) and then he says something to her. He goes, your hand wasn't that good. And she goes, and then she swears at him and it's it's like, <laughs> one of those things, like, it's her whole character. It's like, I don't like that you're swearing.
1: Yeah, that's another great little moment with him where as he's leaving the table, he just goes, you're not that great of a poker player anyway. And she's, she's like, oh, you <laughs> asshole, or whatever. shouldn't say that. Yeah. That's, that's basically her react. Mm-hmm. I love that.
0: I love the way, you know, that how they kind of connect for the first time is George Siegel throws Elliot Gould the card and it sort of flies off the table and he catches it. You know, there's that whole altercation. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like the inciting incident of the whole mm-hmm. movie in a way. It's just that moment, you know. It's that first moment of connection. It's beautifully done, I think. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like, nobody saw it. I didn't see it. Did you see it? No,
2: I didn't see it. <laughs> and uh, back to that scene where they're in the, uh, the bar where Bill is just sort of watching the people and the lady says, you should have seen the place that I was in last night. That was classy and uh the bartender says any chance you can go back there she goes no nah, they're not open this early <laughs> like <know>. that it's, <laughs> it's one of those like little little lines that you can't yeah. tell like it's got to be written but maybe it's just brilliant improvisation
1: and it's the way yeah. that it's delivered even maybe even the first time you watch it maybe you won't even realize that this movie is a comedy mm-hmm. which i don't think yeah, i it's, did it's, the first time it's like yeah. it's so subtle and like you might miss a lot of the lines but if you go back and watch it again i'm like oh my god this is actually yeah this is really fucking funny That's a really, so funny much movies. stuff yeah. I missed
0: again. You know, it's just sort of the the Altman, I think, more than almost any other director, just reaps the benefits of multiple yeah. views. Mm-hmm. And you just more and more you get into some of those things because, like we've said, they're not heavily plot driven, mm-hmm. you know. Some of them are, um, some of them are, you know. I, I say, like, you know, Gosford Park is somewhere <laughs> yeah. in there, it, it sure does. You know, uh, we were talking about three women. Mm-hmm at the beginning or images you know yeah. those have some Images is one of my favorite
2: movies as well that's, that's yeah, a I got to watch that terrific again. movie that so cool. it is nothing <laughs> like another Ullman movie no, no it's, <laughs> it's so different it's him it's him doing yeah. that sort of like psychological thriller and it's out yeah. of nowhere and it's just plopped right in there with the rest of those 70s movies that he's like okay yeah. I'm just going to nail the hell out of this genre too so and it's that's, i think that's yeah. him really pulling out a lot of filmmaking techniques that he doesn't use a lot a lot of his stuff is yeah you know these sort of like loose films like uh, Brewster mm-hmm. McCloud and MASH and Nashville and things like that but then yeah. he comes out with something like Images and or Three Women also oh yeah they it's like oh no this guy he knows what he's doing like he's not just He does <laughs> pointing the camera and making these people say funny things like he knows what he's doing
0: yeah it's it's a little bit like you know how do you know a modern artist is really great it's like get him to draw a bird mm-hmm. yeah. you know and if they can do that you know then they're truly a genius yeah. right and you know i see that in altman that he just kind of has almost like this jackson pollock mm-hmm. paintings you know that where you can just sort of interpret them how you see them you know there's just so much on the page and then these other ones that are so precise like that it's mark of quite an artist yeah, absolutely you know?
1: so i wanted to ask you Vinny, what is your take on elliot gold's line that last line that he has when they they split up the eighty two thousand mm-hmm. dollars and he's all excited and he wants to get bill like oh we can take this money and we can go do some more gambling and then all of a sudden he switches and he says uh, doesn't mean a damn thing does it What's your take on that line?
2: I think that's him. That's Charlie really having that connection with Bill. Like, oh no, he's done. Like this, that clicks. Like it's that respect. Like, okay, you were serious when you said, you know, you're out. You're, and that's fine. And I think he just sort of moves on. And that's why the sequel is very appealing to me because I, the way I feel about the ending, I feel like that's it. That's the end of Charlie and Bill. It was just this kind of whirlwind, like almost like a whirlwind romance, right? But like this mm-hmm. whirlwind, like friendship, where it's just chaos and gambling. And then they clean up and Bill's done and Charlie keeps living his life the same exact way. And that, that's how I feel it ends. I feel like they're done. You know, Charlie realizes it like, OK, we're done. I guess I'll just keep going and you can live your life sort of thing.
1: Do you think he's realizing anything about himself, too, in that line, too? I don't he think says he's that, He says that line with such conviction, though. It just kind of makes yeah. me wonder,
2: you know? I don't think that uh, there's a movie that came out within the past few years, and I think it was called Big Time Adolescence. Did either of you see that? It's a Pete mm. Davidson dramedy kind of thing. I actually liked it a lot, but it's a very similar moment where you're like, "Oh, these characters have grown, but one of them hasn't." Like you think that that's what it's going to be okay. about. You think you think it's going to be these two people have grown and and Bill and Charlie. You sort of expect it to be like, "Okay, let's find the next thing," like Popo uh, Poplar Village at the end at the end of that film. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it at all.
0: Yeah, I've so yeah,
2: it. It, that's also one of my favorite movies. Very similar dynamic. It has a very similar ending where you're like, "Okay, what are they going to do now?" Because this mm-hmm. one ha- and this one has, okay, they just won, I mean, $82,000 in 1974. That's like winning like well, like half a million probably now with inflation. So, you know what I mean? That's that's a that's yeah, a right. good amount of money for two people to just go win in a poker game and then they're just done. They're not going to talk anymore. They're not going to keep gambling. And that's how I feel like this ends. It's just that sort of downbeat. This is what it was. And then it's gone.
1: It's their breakup scene.
2: It's their breakup scene.
1: It does kind of feel that way. Yeah. Which is
2: why the sequel, it's sort of like appealing to see what he put into it. Did they keep gambling or is this like a reunion sort of thing? It's very tempting to to read that script.
0: I could imagine Charlie just blowing every bit of that 82,000. Oh,
2: absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so appealing about him is that he doesn't care. He's up, he's down, like, and he says, like, when he's on that hot streak, and then he goes to Tijuana, and he goes, like, get to Tijuana, and I don't win a fucking race, like, whatever he says, something like that, like, he doesn't, like, no, none of his horses come in or anything like that. So he just lives that lifestyle where he's like, I have all this money, and it's all gone. I'll get more money and then uh, you know so this is a a very large amount of money that he has so you know you're curious to see I feel like Bill went back to work I got his car back got his typewriter back went back to work and he's working Mm -hmm. at the magazine
1: he took the money paid off his debts and back to his real life and yeah Yeah. Charlie probably spent it all and just kept living his life like he would
2: and that's my favorite one of my favorite things about movies is that the end and that's it I don't watch a lot of TV because I don't like Mm -hmm. that it keeps going (laughs) you know it's (laughs) it's True. like okay uh, okay they can drag this out for another see okay well then you're like curious like okay where is this gonna go what's gonna happen with these where a movie it's like nope that's it done and you know it's, it's fun for me like to see like okay that's the end of the story i laughed and now i can move on and i'll watch Silent partner or something like that which is also great yes uh,
0: or you know and something like this i mean it leaves it open to each viewer mm-hmm. you know if they choose to to sort of speculate what happened mm-hmm. to these guys you know that's appealing to me too
2: and if they made it now they would have put it a after credit scene, oh sure, yeah. of them in Vegas or Atlantic City or something like that. Or them
1: meeting up like five <laughs> yeah. years later, like, yeah. hey what you been up to? Yeah,
0: or just like a closing set of titles saying exactly yeah. what happened to them
1: <laughs> till
2: the day they
0: died. Yeah. You know,
1: what about Susan and Barbara? Yeah, what yeah. happened to them? Again, it's,
2: once once they leave for Reno, it's not like oh, let's check back in on those characters. It's like nope, those characters are done. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> yep. yep, yep. And I, and I feel like the scene where he's about to have sex with Susan mm-hmm. and then. Barbara comes home. That is a not a very comedic scene at all. That is, that is played no. pretty much straight drama. I think that is two vulnerable people connecting. But I feel like he felt like he was exploiting her, and then Barbara interrupting. Yeah. He goes, "Okay, I can't do this kind of thing." That was one of those Even scenes where totally you're like, cool oh, wait, this isn't." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she goes, "No, it's fine." Okay, let, let me or she yeah. just goes, to, I have to grab something <laughs> or whatever." And uh, it's it's one of those scenes in the movie where you're like, oh, yeah, this is also a drama. This isn't just a comedy. And it is Altman. It's these real people. His characters always feel like real people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Even if they're on screen for moments, they feel so fleshed out, so cared about by the actor Mm -hmm. that's playing them, Mm -hmm. you know, as if they were the star of their own movie in it. it, even,
2: Even from the first scene. The people that are at the card table with them, you could take out Elliot Gould and George Segal because they're too famous and have that scene and it would, you'd feel like you're watching a documentary yeah, yeah. about these people playing poker. But the fact that it's, you know, I mean, you know, it's a movie when you have these movie stars in it, but it, the characters are very, very real.
0: I think it's some of the stuff that really drew me at all Altman. Mm-hmm. When I first started uh, discovering his work in college, was just that idea. It just felt very real. It felt about people and behaviors and things that felt much more grounded than really movies do. You know, movies are sort of a hyper reality, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Altman movies don't feel like that really they're very unique i can't name another filmmaker that does it quite like he did
2: for me in terms of that like hype you know, movies are hyper real like for my like film watching progression like when you're in high school and or if, when you first start getting into film i feel like it's like hitchcock and scorsese sure. yeah
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh
2: you know what i mean and these guys they, they make movies this is a world they're yeah, creating. yeah it's a cinema mm-hmm. and then yeah. you discover people like cassavetes yes. Say, yes. and yeah. altman mm-hmm. where you're like these are movies yeah. But these are movies about real people. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. You know, and it's it, this isn't a set. Right. This is this these aren't actors in makeup. You know, this is a real story about these two guys. Let's see what they do for a couple of days. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. And Cassavetes does the very similar thing you, you're in a lot right. of his movies. I was yeah. gonna say Where Cassavetes. It's, like it's he's the one closest to all the The plot, like a, a movie like uh Killing of a Chinese Bookie, uh-huh, which also has a gambling degenerate character mm-hmm. um in it, which is the driving force behind the plot. The plot in that movie is okay, this guy owes money in gambling debts. He has to kill somebody to pay it off. But that's not really what that movie's about. You're really watching this, you know, he owns a burlesque club and it's just sort of his life. Like what's, what is his decisions day to day that sort of influence all the people around him. And you get those like very rich characters that are maybe on screen for, that have, you know, two lines of dialogue, but you're enthralled with them. And I think that where Altman is more comedy based. Yeah in his, than then Cassavetes was Cassavetes was more about the, the raw emotion. Sure. Altman, very, very similar in terms of those elements of, it, of the, of the people on screen feeling like real people, not, I mean, Scorsese is my favorite filmmaker and, and I love, and Hitchcock is Hitchcock for a reason, but it is nice to have the variety. Again, another thing I love about movies is how it's a movie, but there's 8 billion different ways that you can tell a story yeah. on screen. Mm-hmm. And so this this little one, this little one looks okay. these realistic, you know, slice of life, character dramas, character comedies. They're great every once in a while just to throw it on and, you know, learn about somebody. And they don't make those kind of movies anymore.
1: Those are some of my favorite kind of movies. Like I I love action movies and movies where a whole bunch of stuff happens. But sometimes some of my favorite movies to watch are just like a couple of people just talking for the whole movie. It's just fascinating to me.
2: And even with uh, like images It is still an Altman movie in the fact that it's like, it's like four people talking. Right. Mm -hmm. But in this sort of like horror element of, you know, this woman's mental state kind of sort of thing. Whereas, you know, if if you're, I mean, I love horror movies, but something like that is, it's very different. And he does it very, very well where it's, it's still essentially a movie of just people talking. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're watching it for an hour and a half and you're entertained. Yeah.
0: This has been fantastic. This is a lot of fun to talk about. A movie that, like I said, pretty new to me, but I have really come to love it. It's one that I know that I'm going to revisit. Fairly off.
2: Yeah. It's one of those movies that I really want everyone to watch. A lot of people don't realize it's a comedy, too. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure everyone that likes comedy is going to find it funny. I don't think it's like a hard. There's some very broad moments yeah. in it that are very, very silly. Yeah, and not the comedy might not be for everybody, but I feel like it's it's a very funny movie. But it still is dramatic enough where you're going to kind of feel for these characters. It's
1: kind of like sure. a hangout movie too. Like I watched it. Yeah, it's on Prime, so I kind of could have it like just streaming. You know, like whenever I watched it twice for this, and then I kind of just was letting it play the other night while I was doing stuff i would just kind of catch it a little bit catch um elliot gould doing something funny or yeah, one of my favorite moments is at the beginning when they're um i don't know what they're singing when they're um okay on the parking lot and they're singing and dancing
2: oh Ru- russus rassus yes. johnson brown <laughs> that. yes he uh george Siegel performed that song on an album did
1: he really <laughs> so
2: his his he he has this like side career and he plays like ukulele and sings these sort of like ragtime (laughs) songs and that's one of his songs yeah you can just look it up on on him on the tonight show and he performs all the time it's it's it's, he's actually a talented musician but which brian i'm sure you can appreciate yeah definitely (laughs) definitely
0: well he even pulled that into some of his uh stuff on the goldbergs
1: yeah this is a great movie to be able to watch again and talk about again and Thank you for bringing it to us and, and it's, coming it's on it's here. It's your favorites, yeah. right? Yeah. It's up
2: there. It's got its charm. I'm sure people don't like it as much as I do, but I love it. Oh, I think a lot of people, if they saw it, would probably yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. It was hard to see for a while.
0: It was. It was. And I, and the fact that it's on Prime, and lots of people have Prime, I know, and it's free on Prime. It's not like you have to rent it on Prime. Yeah. So it's pretty accessible, to, I think, to a lot of people.
2: And that's a good version. Yeah. yeah. The DVD. I have the DVD. It's... It's the edited version. It's like four minutes shorter. Yeah. So. Do you
1: know what's different about it?
2: It's mostly the songs. They, they didn't right. have the rights, but they put it out anyway. I don't. I can't imagine any of those songs. Maybe it's the person performing them.
0: It could be. Yeah. That's what I was wondering.
2: Yeah. Is, they don't want to give over the rights, which I don't know why. It's been 50 years. So.
0: This also seems like a really good sort of inroad to Altman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're kind of interested in him as a filmmaker, it's pretty accessible in that sense. It, mm-hmm. it has all the Altman-isms. <laughs> yeah still being a really fun one to watch you yeah. know yeah
1: so do we want to do that yeah. brian did we want to say what our favorite altman's were for our kind of recommendations for this episode sure did you come yeah, up we with one
0: that. we can do that oh i've got one <laughs> st- did you want me to go first yeah
1: i'm still trying to decide
0: okay uh so my favorite altman movie uh is shortcuts from the early 90s i think the fact you know I've made it pretty clear, I think, that my favorite movie is Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. So Shortcuts is sort of like Altman's, I mean, I guess you could say Magnolia is Paul Thomas Anderson's version of <laughs> *Of Shortcuts in a way. Just, you know, these people in the the valley who interact in different ways. And it's got an incredible cast. It's one of those everyone's a supporting player. It's very much kind of Nashville-esque but mm-hmm. I find that just incredibly moving and and the different stories that you can latch on to that weave in and out of that movie are astonishing mm-hmm. to me and you know based on Raymond Carver yeah I really really love that movie it was one of my first Criterion Collection purchases as yeah. well so was shortcuts <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: okay I was debating between two of them I think I'm gonna have to go with come back to the five and dime Jimmy Dean Jimmy Dean wow I loved that I've only seen it once I only saw it the one time like last year mm-hmm. but I I really, yep. really loved that one. I thought it was so interesting the way that well, for one, like I said before, like some of my favorite stuff is just a bunch of people in the same place like talking. That's kind of what that whole movie is. But then it's also really interesting to watch the way that he transitions between time period within that movie. The cast is amazing. yet Cher and Karen Black and Kathy Bates, and I don't know. I was just re- I was really drawn to that and the way that that story like all played out. So. I think I'm going to go with that one. I was debating between that and The Player. I love
2: Karen Black in that.
1: Which we might still do The Player. If we did another films on filmmaking. It was on the list. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think it's going to yep. ha- I think I we're going to have to a long
2: time. <laughs> yeah, it's a great one.
0: Great. So, Vinny, is there anything you want to plug or where people can find you if they want to find you or <laughs> any of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, you
2: you can find me on Twitter at, at Vinny, but better. You can find me on Letterboxd, uh, BoomBots88. It's the year I was born. I'm not a Nazi. Um, <laughs> I, was, I that, That's apparently a thing now as people putting uh, 88 yeah. meaning. So I was born in 88. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to start doing a YouTube channel again. Yay. Talking about movies, Blu-rays, things like that. And that information will be available on my Twitter. And you can also listen to the... Cult Movie Stars podcast, hear us talk about some great, talented people.
0: Definitely excited to hear more from that. That's a very exciting thing. And we've been on cult movies a couple of times and just have a blast with anthony so i um, yeah. glad to see that you guys are doing that yeah. together and yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah
2: it's me anthony and uh kristen lipska she's great and it's a lot of a very very vast wealth of knowledge for the between the two of them so it is very fun to talk about movies with them absolutely Sounds awesome.
0: okay and as far as us you can find me at brian d kuiper on twitter if you so desire
1: and you can find me at Michelle in Agan.
0: And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod. Uh, we'd love for you to drop a rate and review if you are able to on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that those things happen. All right. So, Michelle, what are we going to do?
1: We will see you all next time. Bye.
0: Bye.